Okay, grab your grab your handout. Everybody have one? Everybody get one? Okay. There's I think right in front of you. How many of you just raise your hand there? She's got some back there too, some extras. Lisa's got some. Um, but let's um, let's take a look here. There's when it comes to personal devotion, what do we mean by that? Um, because a lot of times people will say, okay, well, you, you know, giving a personal devotion, like a testimony, or preparing something to give a devotion, uh, which we do when we have sports activities or any kind of activity, we want to have a small devotion uh, type of thing. Uh, Lisa and I, for years uh, in our, uh, the church we were in, before we went out as domestic missionaries, we uh, were a part of an a, a athletic ministry there that uh, saw hundreds, literally hundreds of kids and their families get saved because every single game uh, ended with a time together, really started and ended with a time together and prayer and a little devotion, just a short little devotion, giving these folks the word of God, which was the whole reason we had them there. Not so they could become, you know, the next great ball player or something like that, although that'd be, that's great. Uh, we had a lot of saved professional ball players that came out and helped. Uh, praise the Lord for that, that realized that that was more important than what they did on the diamond uh, for, for the thing they can't take with them. But they invested their time there. And uh, we, we saw hundreds, literally. I mean, and over the years and all the, those ministries like that, where a lot of times people bring their kids to athletics or games and things like that, but they won't come to church. See, our, but our job is, we as the church should go out to them. You know, in the Old Testament, bring them in, bring them in. But believe it or not, in this age, the age of grace, we're, we are the temple, right? And the temple is supposed to go out. I mean, it's great. Invite people to come, and that's fantastic. But it's you and I out there every day where all that work of witnessing, if you will, that work of, you know, sowing the seed, watering the seed, you know, bringing them in, not to this building, but into Christ. Amen? And we forget that sometimes. We get an Old Testament attitude. But um, when it comes to what we're talking about tonight, it is our personal devotion time. You and I, that personal devotion time that we spend with the Lord. And... Um, that can look different for everybody as far as the way we do things to an extent. But it should all be the same in that it should be daily. It should be constant. We're, we're going to dive into some of this here. Um, and, and we'll look at how the Bible gives us structure, gives us everything while allowing you to be you so that you, that relationship that you have with him is truly interpersonal, that there's intercourse going on between you and the Lord that is meaningful, that is true fellowship, and, and has that communion that we talked about last week in prayer. Because again, remember, prayer, yeah, it's, it's communication. Prayer, it's talking to God. Uh, it, it also has to do with listening to God, right, through his word. But ultimately, prayer is about who? God, that's right. Prayer is about God. And me getting on the same page as him. He didn't, I don't need him to get on the same page I'm at. That is not a good page. <laughs> okay, And sometimes we think 
and I'll be honest, I haven't thought this like up here in the frontal cortex, but you know, I, I'm, I'm serving, I'm, I'm really fighting the good fight, so to speak, and everything's going good, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is right where I need to be, and, and, and hopefully I am. That page is still tainted. I'm still the fly in the ointment, and I need to get on the page with him. I don't have to see the where, why, and how. I would like to. I think I told you guys, you know, my, my background in Marine Corps and, and intelligence, I'm one of those guys, I, I want all the info and I want it right now before I go anywhere because we're going to look it all out and figure it all out so we can go out and do the best job. And the Lord's like, uh, Mark, I got all that. I just need you to go where I tell you to do what I tell you to do with the right heart. And I'd like to say that I'm always like, oh, yes, sir, and out I go. But you know me, I like to argue and reason, you know. Well, Lord, you said, come, let's reason together. Let's, let's, let's reason together here before I go. Shouldn't we? He's like, you have a better plan than I do. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, that kind of stops it right there, right? You would think. But no, I'll come up with something else. I mean, I, I think Jacob's a rascal, but guess what? <laughs> or was a rascal. You know, Jacob the supplanter. He finally wrestled with God, got together, and God changed his name and his destiny, so to speak, his life. Yeah, I'm, I'm worse than that, I think. So let's dive in here and take a look at it because this really has to do with our personal investment, our personal responsibility. Um, there's a reason that I, we talked about prayer last week first because no matter what, when it comes to your personal devotion time, it should, it should not only start with but have it throughout and end with what? Prayer. Yeah. Prayer. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to dive into the Word of God, but I'm not going to ask God to open down mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, Lord, I know I'm, I'm the problem here. I know my mind's fighting me as I'm trying to get your mind in there. If I'm not praying, if I'm not really getting in there and and having that fellowship and that communion with him to, to really get what he's got for me. Well, just like prayer without, you know, praying without prayer involved, real prayer, well, the same thing happens in the Word of God. I'm just needing to read <laughs> type of mentality. Or at least what happens. It's not always our mentality. It's not always our motivation. In fact, I think most of the time it's not. I think it, our motivation is right, our desire is right. But it just, that's what it becomes, right? Just like, you know, driving the same way to work every day. You don't think about it, you just do it, right? And sometimes that's what happens when we get in the Word of God. So let's look at how this works. The first, the first thing about a devotion who we want to look at, and this is something we've, we've taught in this church for a while, is, is these, these next couple of, first couple of points. And that is reaching. And, and that's reaching up, fill in your first blank there at A, reaching up to the Lord through prayer. That's your first blank. Reach up through prayer. Put that time in like we talked about last week to where you're not just doing your duty. I'm not just doing what I'm supposed to do. I want to spend time with you because I love you. But I know that my love is not what it ought to be. I know that I'm not what I ought to be. I need help. <laughs> help thou me. 
You know, there's no problem with that. David asked for help all the time. And he was a man's man, right? I mean, he was a great warrior. So it's about reaching up. Uh, look what Edward Payson said, uh, a great uh, saint of old. He said, prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary to a minister. Pray then, my dear brother. Pray, pray, pray. And uh, a minister doesn't get to that point unless he's doing that before he's, quote, unquote, a minister. Now, he's talking about minister as a pastor. But how, how many... How many Christians are supposed to be ministers? All of them. So that means you and me, right? Okay? And then sometimes God, amongst all of us ministers, says, um, separate me out, you and you, for this, like he did with Paul and Silas. Separate me out, Paul and Silas, for the work I have. Okay? Well, what's he got for me? I, I don't know what he's got for you. That's his business. That's not my business. But our business is being in a place where we can find out what that is. So how do we do that? How do we get to that point? Well, let's look at four things that are really necessary. And let's start, First uh, John 1, 9. You guys have all, most of you have been discipled or um, going through discipleship. Anybody here that has never been through discipleship or is not going through it? One person, okay. You guys? All right, all right. Well, the rest of you guys can tell them then. What's First John 1, 9 say? Amen. If we confess our sins. So fill in your first C word there. Confess sin. Uh, my, my dad in the faith used to say that he believed that probably the biggest impediment to God's work was unconfessed sin in his children's lives. And I, I thought at the time, eh, I'm thinking of all these other things, but as usual, yeah, I, was, I think I was wrong and he was right. Unconfessed sin. If, if you're not confessing sin, the be, when's the best time to confess sin? Okay, all the time. <laughs> I heard somebody say that. <laughs> yeah, because we tend to do it more than we think, right? Yeah, we, we, we sin a lot more. But yeah, when you sin, that's the best time to confess it. And, and here's the thing. I don't care if you're Einstein or somebody with an endemic memory. After you sin you start forgetting about that sin with every second that goes by because your flesh, your enemy, your mind, is pushing it back and pushing it back and distracting you with its cohorts, the world, you know, the world, flesh, and devil, so that you are now focused somewhere else. Maybe on, maybe you're focused on, okay, I, I got I to gotta get myself together here and do what's right. And so you go do that, but you never confess that sin. You know what happens when, that, when you just leave it like that? What happened to me last week? You get an abscess, or two in my case. That's exactly what happens. When sin is left unconfessed, it festers and festers and becomes a poison that impedes your ability to have that communion with God, that intimate relationship, because you're sinful. And we're born that way already, so we already have the predisposition in our flesh. I understand that's in my flesh, but guess what? That cross is you got to carry every day. Your flesh. So confess that sin. Get it out of the way as soon as it happens. If you, if you, if you don't, you say, well, I, I do it at the end of the day. It's between you and God, but I'm, I'm just telling you, you're going to forget. 
and you end up wearing out to for five. So that's right. Hey, amen. Good job, sister. She she is basically talking about Proverbs twenty seven one. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You might not have tomorrow or tonight to confess it. You know, as from the body present with the Lord and oh, that's a sin I'm carrying with me. My my speaking of my dad in the faith, he said something once that has never it's one thing that, that I haven't forgot, although I have forgotten it at times that I should have, and that is this. We all know the Lord's coming back, right? We're all listening for that trumpet, amen? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I hope we don't get done tonight. But when he comes, how's he going to find you? He said that to me in, in a classroom when I was a young Christian, really young and dumb. But I'll tell you, that one hit hard because I still like to, you know, keep one little foot in there every now and then. You know, just, just so I would appreciate what I had in that time. And it's like, what, what if the Lord came back right when I was in the middle of saying that? That's not just embarrassing and awkward. That's a horror story. That, I mean, that's horrible. That's, that's why the Bible talks about Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, so we're going to build the seat of Christ. <laughs> we like to get started by getting raptured up right in the middle of sin. Oh, that's, yeah, that got me. That got me. So Hebrews 4.16, anybody know what that says? Let's flip over there. Hebrews 4.16. I'm going to have to move a little faster than I am here. Hebrews 4.16. Okay. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So fill in your next one. What's that? Come boldly, right? Come boldly. Now remember this. Boldly does not mean brashly. Okay. Like, a, like an impudent, or not impudent. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a son full of brashness that just bursts into the room even though mom and dad are talking to somebody. You know, rude is another thing. You know, sometimes we're a little brash as Christians. I know I was, especially as a young Christian. We come boldly, not brashly. Boldly before the throne of grace knowing that he wants us to come before him um, in prayer, bringing those supplications, bringing those intercessions, bringing those thanks. Don't come without a gift, right? Bring those thanks. Uh, three, Philippians 1, 4 through 5. Anybody remember that one? Philippians 1. The Philippians is one of my favorite um, books of the Bible. The Philippians are seems like a great church to me, the way they got started, uh, the whole nine yards. But Philippians 1, verses 4 to 5 says, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, always in every prayer of mine, always, always. So it's come often, come often. I mean, if you notice that in Paul and all the letters that he wrote, 
he talks about praying for you always. It, we think of Paul, at least I do, I, you know, this great warrior, right, spiritual warrior, and, and he, he def, I believe, it definitely was that. Um, he is just not just on fire for God. He, he is, a, is a man that, that knows what God has for him and, and is about it all the time. But if you look through and, and do this next time you read through all of his epistles and notice how many times, e- even in Romans, how often he's praying and talking about prayer and praying for others and requesting prayer. I mean, it's it's constant. I don't think we talk. I, I think we don't talk about it enough because we don't pray enough. I know I don't. But that's that's my supposition there. First Thessalonians chapter five, just a little ways over. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse uh, uh, verse seventeen. You guys, you guys know this one, right? It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible, by the way. Prayer without ceasing, that's it. All right? It's a three-word verse. Prayer without ceasing. Man. So, what do you think this last one is? Close. Stay connected. Stay connected. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, uh, he, he says this. Whoops, I guess it helps if I'm actually in 2 Timothy, not 1. He says, thank God, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Without ceasing. Stay connected. All right? We talked about this a little bit last week with prayer, and I'm going to show you something here a little bit, a little bit later. So confess sin, come boldly, come often. And stay connected. Keep that conversation going. Remember, ha- have you ever been with someone and, and you were spending a lot of time to where you felt like they forgot about you? Okay? I mean, sometimes with spouses we do that, don't we? Not intentionally. But, but I think that's what happens with us sometimes. A- as good Bible-leaving, committed Christians, you know, I know the Lord's there and, you know, I'm talking to him, but... I'm just ignoring, you know, so he's sitting in the corner over there just waiting. Please, can please talk to me. Please talk, please listen when I'm talking to you. Because he is always there, right? I mean, is there any point where the Lord's not with you? None? So you just tugging him along, you know, like a dog on a leash? Or are you following him? Walking side by side, making sure you're staying out of his sight, I guess. Because most of the time, I think we try to get him to come with us. You know, come bless this, Lord. Come, come bless where I'm going. And he's like, I'm, I'm going with you, but I can't bless you in that, you know. Because I actually want you over here. And this isn't always a bad thing. In fact, usually for Christians that really love the Lord and they're trying to do the right thing, a lot of times the problem is not that we're not doing something that's good. It's that we're not doing the thing that he wants us to do. Because that's how you get, that's how you get us. You don't get us with the old sins, you know. You get us by doing good things. And, and I, I was, I, I was just terrible about this as a young Christian. Again, my dad in the faith used to say, Mark, we're not crusaders, okay. You don't have to right every wrong, you know. 
my, my mom called it the, the JFK syndrome in my life. I see something, I want to go make it right. It's not my job. It's not my job. It's not your job. My job is to go where he leads, to do what he says, and to say what he puts in my mouth to say. Not where I want to go, what I want to do, and say what I want to say, because I can convince you about the Lord because of my experience or my knowledge or my whatever. God doesn't need that. He just needs somebody who's an obedient servant and willing to go and do and say what he would like them to. Adonine Judson says this. Look at your, I, I believe I have this on here for you. It says, I never prayed sincerely and earnestly for anything, but it came at some time, no matter at, at how distant a day, somehow in some shape, probably the last I would have devised, it came. That prayer came. David Brainerd said this. It is good, I find, to preserve in attempts to pray, or to persevere, I'm sorry, to persevere in attempts to pray. If I cannot pray with perseverance or continue long in my address to the divine being, I have found that the more I do in secret prayer, the more I have delight to do and have enjoyed more the spirit of prayer. And frequently I have found the contrary, that when by journeying or otherwise I have been deprived of retirement. The more you pray, the more you stay in that constant connectivity, that constant um, communication with him, the more you hate being separated. I mean, isn't that how you've gotten with, I, I know Lisa and I like that. I mean, I, we don't like being separated. I have to go to work. It, we don't like being separated. I'll be honest. Unfortunately, I feel like that. I have those emotions. I have that kind of thing going on more sometimes with her than I do with him. And that's not right. It, it, it should be him I fear. You know, when we talk about fear of the Lord, you're like, well, why not fear, be afraid. Fear to be separated. Fear to allow sin to separate you. Fear to not speak to him. More importantly, fear to not listen and follow wherever he leads you. That's what we I mean, when it comes to prayer, um, and I can't remember the guy we were talking about, but I think about this all the time. I thought about it today when I was praying while I was driving the tractor. And he says, um, gosh, I wish I could remember who this was. I think it fell on the tip of my tongue. But he, they said, uh, all the people in the said, he stained the walls of his chamber with the breath of his prayers every day. There was, there was a, this is probably the early 1800s, there was an uh, ME mission in uh, Osaka, Japan. And, uh, you know, they're, they're holding services and what they called meetings back then, you know, um, preaching the gospel, trying to win people to Christ, helping there in, in Osaka. And the decree came down that no Christian churches could meet anymore. Christian groups, Christian anything. And the two guys, and I can't remember their names, they went to prayer immediately. I mean, immediately, they, they just, they started praying. And after a while, the, the uh, steward, literally the steward of the house, sent one of the major in to check on them because they hadn't been out for breakfast or doing anything. And 
went in and they were praying and she she got she was very she got caught up in that spirit of prayer and just started praying also and after a while the steward she came in what's going on and she comes in and she gets caught up and she starts praying and they pray and pray until somebody comes in and says hey there's a bunch of people here hold a meeting they said okay let's we're holding a meeting so they they held the meeting two people got saved both of them were sons of city officials and the next day a representative showed up at, at their doorstep and said you guys can meet at the same time the newspaper had printed in Japanese, but it was big lettering said, the Christians' God showed up last night. Wow. That's called effectual, fervent prayer. And I don't think we know much about it. I know I don't. But I'd like to. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Okay, B, under, under our, our, our point one. In reaching. B is to enter in through praise. Again, I, I think this is something we overlook too much. Uh, Psalm 100. Turn over there real quick. I listened. There, there's a group, and I can't pronounce their, their name right. Um, I kind of turned Lisa on to them a couple of years ago. I, I, I'm very eclectic in music. Um, I like just about all kinds of music except rap. Um, which I don't really consider music, but hey, that's fine. It's artistic, that's great. I, no problem, I just, I don't dig it, <laughs> okay? But this group, I think it's called Yama or Yama. Anyway, it's, it's a Jewish group in, in Israel. Uh, they're um, Hasidic Jews. But they, they sing a song in Hebrew that is Psalm 104. I was listening to music today and it popped up, that's why I'm thinking about it. But it always kind of listen because that's about praising God and asking, you know, looking forward to when he returns and him reigning. I mean, it's just that time of when, when I hear that, it just makes me want to praise. I, I, I love these guys, man. They just, I, I doubt that they're saved, but I, I like hearing their music sometimes. It's really cool. So Psalm 100, this is, it, it, this is you know, there's a bunch of, of um, uh, songs that are very short. And the short ones, you ought to pay attention to because they're packed with really good stuff. Like this, watch this. Notice, what's it called? Read it. A Psalm of Praise. Okay? David wrote most of these. Um, and here he is. He's, he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, you've heard that before, right? Did you know it was Psalm 100? I hope so. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. That's how we're supposed to come into his presence. And you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is just to pray scripture back to him. 
I'll be honest, there are times when I just don't know what to say. I've got something on my heart, or I'm just, there's just so much going on. I'm just like, Lord, I am glad the Holy Spirit is here to do it because I don't know what to do. So I'll open up to a place like this. I say, Lord, I just want to pray this to you because your words are more effective than mine, and I'll just open up. And it's terrifying. Or, or another spouse. Wouldn't be the only one. Hey, Lisa, can you give him a, uh, an outline? Hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, the Psalms, of course, are full of things. David, this is, this is one of the ways that David expressed his praise uh, and his communion with the Lord because a lot of these Psalms are praises, but a lot of them are just, like we talked about last week, supplications where he's just like, Lord, man, I, I don't know what to do. Here's, here's what's going on. I, I, all I know is to lift it up to you. And sometimes his Psalms, if you read through them, they're very, he's just frustrated. He's frustrated, but he's honest. He said, Lord, when are you going to do what you said? Why are the heathen you know, able to get away with this? Why am I in such a strait? Because he, he understands. But he was honest, and he took those complaints to God with a pure heart. He said, I know where I need to go with, with this. Not to anybody else. Take it to him. And he did. He took it to God, and there it was. And God always answered him. Part of that. Not always in the time he wanted. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. Flip over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 13. Great chapters. Last one in Hebrews 13, 15. He says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, now how often are you supposed to do that? Continually. That's, what, that's like 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, you know, pray without ceasing, you know. Be in that constant state of, of being connected to him by talking to him. Hey, bring him praise. You know, bring him thanks. Just thank him. You know, we, we just, we don't do that enough, I think, because we're, We've gotten into this mode as Christians to just bring in what we want, what we don't understand, which is good, as long as it's not a complaint, or, you know, like we're you know, venting on God. Although if you've got to vent, vent there, he's better qualified to get us straightened out, right? But bringing those things to him, but we're used to always, here's what I want, here's what I think I need, here's what I think needs to happen, you know, because I'm so smart, God, you know, this this is what I think needs to happen, right? Instead of just, Lord, before I do anything, just thank you, not only for salvation, but you know, my wife, my kids, for this church, for all the things you've done for me. Thank you for, I mean, I mean the list actually goes on and on, but we don't think about that so much. And go over to Philippians 4 sometime. Read those first eight, nine verses. He tells you exactly, hey, Think on these things. We don't think on them enough. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. And, and guys, I'm, I'm reading these just for uh, time's sake. I apologize for not 
sharing the mic, so to speak. Um, but we've got a lot to get to. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How often do you sing with grace in your heart to the Lord? Now, I'm not talking about Sunday morning. And I'll be honest, Sunday morning, I know a lot of people, well, you know what Sundays I am. I don't know, man. And not to be too judgmental, but I've seen the way some of us, myself included at times, sing on Sunday morning. And I'm not so sure I'd call that with grace in my heart, with my, in my heart, okay? The greatest singing I ever heard, I think, my amazing Christ. In my church in Arizona, we, one time we're working with the, these homes where uh, special needs adults, teenagers on like a, usually 20, 30 kids uh, live. And uh, we went at Thanksgiving and Christmas and times like that and helped provide things. And one, one year we went in and um, our, uh, our little praise team uh, had a bunch of songs and, and we were asking some songs they wanted to sing and, and then they had some that they sang. But when, when they sang some songs and they were all excited and then when we, had, we asked them what songs they wanted to sing and we sang with them, there was one guy that sang, I mean, he's probably the definition of unabashed. I mean, he did not care that he had the worst voice in the world. It was terrible. And it was, the syncopation was all off. But the joy coming out of that young man was incredible, wasn't it? He still was there. I mean, I, I was sitting, and I'll never forget it, man. I'm going, that is the worst, best music I've ever heard in my life because it came from his heart. It was thanks. I mean, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was phenomenal, and, and it was convicting more than anything. That's exactly what it was. He, this, that, that's exactly what it was. I mean, this is this guy, and I, and I have ever since then, that was probably, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. I, I, Lord, I want to be like that guy. That cat had it. <laughs> I mean, just, now I do that in the truck sometimes, you know, because there's nobody else there to hear. But I wonder sometimes, man, would I, I, I like to sing a lot and give it, but I usually just kind of real low and Lisa sometimes will be like, come on, sing out, sing loud. I'm like, man, you know, because I'm, I don't know, I, I don't have that good a voice. But, uh, man, I think about that guy, and I'm like, that is what we're talking about. Songs, hymns, and spiritual songs are always, always what we need to prepare our hearts to meet with God. That's why we sing on Sunday morning, to get our hearts and minds in a place to have communion with God, to, to get what he's got for us. It's, it's, that's the plowing of our hearts and minds to receive the word. And that ought to be happening every day at home. Whether you sing out loud, whether you sing, I don't know. But man, 
is the only time you sing praises to the Lord on Sunday morning? That's not what I see, man. I see continually. We're, we're supposed to be doing this a lot. I know I don't. C, third one here, under number one, is be there. Just be there. Look over to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus 24. Exodus is a, another, I mean, there are no books that aren't awesome in the Word of God, but some of them just jump up and get you. Exodus 24, verse 12, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. But I love this. He says, Come up to me into the mount and be there. He doesn't mean, Hey, just come up and hang out and, you know, take a nap and, you know, just kind of chill out, do whatever you want. No, be there. Be there. Be with me. Uh, Psalm 46, flip over there, Psalm 46. Forty-six and verse ten it says, "Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge." So, uh, man, be still and know. There are times, and you can see this. There are times when God's voice becomes just another voice in the multimedia presentation of life, and it's in those times I find I've got to be quiet. I've got to be still. I've got to just be there with God. And let all this fall away. Because, you know, the, the world, the flesh and devil, assaults us constantly, right? Every waking moment, and a lot of when we're sleeping, too, depending on what you put in before you went to sleep. And, man, and then somehow five minutes here, Maybe 10 minutes there every now and again is somehow going to just wipe all that out. It's a little imbalance, don't you think? I think. I think God thinks. You need to have, and this is what we mean by this, you need to have a place where you and God meet together. Just you and him. Now maybe you and your wife or husband or, or friends get together and, and pray, and that's great. And the more of that, the better. We pray for everybody, all right? But there's got to be a time where it's just you and him. I love coffee, so I love coffee shops. I like to meet people in coffee shops. For me, it's always a time where, where I'm having coffee with the Lord. Where it's just me and him. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, have a time and a place where you and the Lord actually just everything else takes a back seat. And it's just you and him. Okay? Make a point to be there. In other words, it's easy to get caught up in the routine of, okay, and I fall into this. You know, I'm in coffee, I do all these things, I'm getting ready, and I'm gonna take this little time here. And I'm doing that, and I'm just doing it. Again, praying without prayer. Um, in, in the position, in the uh, physical location, but not really there. 
Jesus. Ladies, be honest. I mean, have, have you ever been with your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, and they're there, but you're just like, they're not really there, or vice versa, right? How often do, do we do that to the Lord? Maybe you don't. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, but when you pray, use when you pray. Now again, that's individual. That's every single one of us. That's to you, not just to us. To you specifically. But when ye pray, use not vain reputations, repetitions, I'm sorry, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So, you know, here are these guys. They think, if I just pray a whole lot, if I do these things, then, then God will hear me, okay? Um, <laughs> I grew up, strangely, <laughs> different from some folks, but... Um, one of the groups that I was always around were bikers. And bikers talked about faith more than anybody I've ever been around. I was always keep the faith, you know. I mean, hey, just have faith, have a little faith. I was about faith all the time. From guys that didn't know anything about faith. And, and this is what happened is, you know, well, if I just pray, you know, five times a day. I pray seven times a day. Although I will tell you this. Don't agree with the folks that, that do that to the God they're praying to, but I am convicted sometimes that here, here are people who are dedicated enough to stop traffic even by praying five times a day, no matter what else is going on. Do we do that? And we're supposed to be doing that all day. So, you know, that's what we're doing. Well, we, they only fight. We, we do it all day. And God goes, <laughs> yeah, I wish. I'd, I'd take five. <laughs> you know, it's, we can lie to each other. We can lie to ourselves, but you can't lie to God. He keeps really good accounts. And, and, and the same thing applies to time in the Word of God, okay? Just because, and, and again, I have been there where, oh, I'm doing ten chapters a day. Now I'm getting through them. I'm doing it like clockwork. And just like a clock, that's all I'm doing, just finishing. I'm not really getting it. See, it's not how much Bible I get through, it's how much gets through me and you. And sometimes I'm just reading to read because I, I, I need to read and I want to get through this, but I'm not actually spending time with him. I might as well be reading articles or whatever. That's got to change for all of us. Amen? Not enough amens for that, I'll just be honest. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. Um, look at verse 13. If I can get there. First Timothy 4 verse 13 says, Till I come, Till I come. Has he come yet? No. 
I know, he's, he's talking to his son Timothy. This is Paul. But, but remember this, it's the Holy Spirit of God writing this. So that personal application, this is for me. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Okay? So there's a difference between, fill in your blank here, there's a difference between reading and studying. You can read through your Bible, you should read through your Bible. Uh, three chapters a day will get you through a Bible in a year. Okay? But that's reading. That's not studying. That's not really taking a look and finding out what's going on here. Or taking something that you heard Pastor Brian preach, let's say, on a Sunday, and you go home and you, you take that outline and, and you take the time to go through it and really study it out to make it your own. Because that's what God gave him to give us. But a lot of times, we're like the unfaithful steward, and we, we take that, that gift, and we take it home and toss it on the table with the keys and everything else, and, and that's where it stays. Never gets really studied out, never gets, you know, gone in and, and see. Yeah, and Brian will tell you this, okay? Let's, let's do pastors right on target. Sounded good. It looks good, but I, I want to see. I want to see. Is this really what the Word of God says? Because that's what He would wish for you to do. That's what I would wish for me to do. That's what my dad in the faith used to tell me all the time. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out. Study it out. Take a look at it. You get material every week at this church, so you can do that with. And after a while, you'll figure out how how to do this. Okay. And don't try too hard, okay? Don't don't beat yourself up, okay? The, the the Holy Spirit of God will impress upon your heart the things to to do, the things to say, the things you know that you have questions about, the things that you have an interest in. Um, again, the the key is to be there, spending time with Him. Say, okay, Lord, I see this. I'm gonna try to figure this out. So could you help me? I got a concordance. I got a Bible. I guess nowadays, you know, uh, what's it called online? Um, what? Yeah, uh, yeah, an iPad or th where you can do all that right there like that and, and get it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little more old-fashioned, but I, I like it. I, I do use a computer. It's okay. But a lot of times what I do is I'll go on to that program or whatever and print it all out so that I can say, okay, now let me... Go through it because that's that's just me. But whatever works, just be there, get in there. But don't beat yourself up. Oh, I forgot. Okay, you forgot. All right. Don't forget today. Don't forget tonight. <laughs> okay. But don't beat yourself up because that. Write this down. This is for free. Nothing extra tonight. There's a thing called conviction. And then there's something called guilt, right? Who do you think brings the conviction in your life? Come on. God, that's right. God brings conviction. The Holy Spirit of God brings conviction, okay? But guilt does not come from God. God does not bring guilt on you, especially if you're a Christian. We've already been judged guilty, okay? We're, we're guilty, but we accept this free gift. I, I, I'm not under that guilt anymore. Neither are you if you're saved. Okay, but 
guilt comes from the from that old enemy, Lucifer, the devil, the serpent. Man, he loves to pour the guilt. And, and guess guess who his number one number one ally is that usually delivers the message of guilt? Of the flesh. And they're usually holding hands with the world, but not always. To make you feel guilty. Because now you know what you know when you're feeling guilty, you know where the emphasis is? On you. Guilt is always about me. Yeah, but man, if you knew what I did, I don't have to know. God already knew. He knew when he died on the cross for you before you even did it. So don't make it more than it is. It's guilt. And the world of flesh and the devil are trying to keep you wallowed in that guilt so your focus is all on yourself and your circumstances. God's bigger than your circumstances. We're supposed to be overcoming, right? We're supposed to be living overcoming. Everybody goes through stuff. It's my favorite word in this word in the world, right? Everybody. I don't care who you are, where you are. You know, there's no discrimination of race, color, creed, all those things when it comes to that, all right? Everybody. So that makes it kind of worse. I'm not demeaning the things that happen to you, but you have a God that is greater than all of that. And when we get all focused on that, we're saying, well, yeah, God, I know you care, but maybe not enough because I'm still stuck here. We don't think that up here, but it's rolling around back here. B. What's the part of that? Being there, reading. There are many reading schedules. Fill in your blanks there. Switch them up. Um, I used to take my church through... Every year we do, you know, something different, either chronologically, which is not the way it's laid out in your Bible, or the way, you know, in your Bible, canon style as it is. Sometimes we do like, okay, we're going to do the wisdom book, and then we're going to do the epistles, and then we're going to do the, the Pentateuch. And then, you know, th- there's a ton of different reading schedules. You know, just pick one. Start. After a while, you're like, man, I, I kind of like to do that. Okay, do it. Okay, do it. Third thing, Deuteronomy chapter 17. And I'm, I'm going to start moving past because i got more to, to give than i got time for, unfortunately. Deuteronomy chapter 17. This is a biggie. Deuteronomy 17, verses 17 to 20. 17, 17 to 20. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, um, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to the himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law and a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. Now, guess who he's talking to? What? The king. Yeah, this is what the king's supposed to do. Okay. Which, by the way, you, you and I are all called kings in a way of that. We're, son, we're a son of King Jesus, right? Verse 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. 
that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Man, I think that's awesome. The king was supposed to sit down and write out the word of God and then keep that with him all the time. Now, I know today, everybody says, well, I always have my Bible with me, you know, right, like this. Man, I, I, this is about the most impersonal, non-truly communicating device I've ever seen. If you think text is communication, you're crazy. You can transfer information, but it's not communication. And yeah, the Bible's on there, so it's a nice quick reference, but man, there's something totally different when you have a book that you turn to, to where after a while you know. Have you ever been like, man, I remember there's something it's on the top right side of the page. If I just get over here and look, there it is, right? Can't do that with one of those or your laptop or your tablet. There's nothing personal going on there. Let's go over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. You need a Bible, an actual Bible. These things can get changed and you'll never even know what's happening. I've had a habit, Lisa knows about this, ever since the computer age and all this stuff we have, because I'm a book dude. I love books. And I have watched over the last 20, 30 years. And a lot of things that have been put online, but you have access to it, I've watched where they have changed in certain books what it actually says in certain articles, what it actually says. And you know what? The only time they ever correct themselves, the only time, is when somebody calls them on the carpet. Then they do like the newspapers, you know, or, or the online, it's all online now. You know, say, oh, it'll be the last thing that you, that you usually never see. They say, um, in regards to the article three months ago, a year ago, we make the following changes and apologize, blah, 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 blah. Maybe, maybe three people ever read that. Me and a couple others, maybe. But if you don't call them, if somebody doesn't say something, you know, it's like, hey, it's not really a crime unless I get caught. And even then, if I got a good lawyer, it might not be. First Samuel chapter three, verse 19 says this, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. So here's what we want to say here. Record your findings. What uh, I used to do uh, with my church and, and just personally for a long time, it, it was just something I did and then kind of grew and, and I sent it out and then I kind of quit doing it and I started it up. I, again, is I said I would make up a schedule for the whole year, and then every day in a notebook, a three-ring binder, put on my footstool, 
And I always read the Proverbs of the day, you know, the corresponding dates. So today, Proverbs 26, and read that. And then where I'm reading through the Bible, I've got that scripture, not all written out, but I have the separate scriptures over there, and I've got lines below both of those so that I can record what did God show me? What did I see? Sometimes people say, well, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really, you know, okay. Well, then just kind of outline. What was this about? What were the major points? There was, there were some. I, God doesn't, God has no filler. What one of my old, old teachers used to say, uh, there's no DDoS. <laughs> Every single word is there by design. So right. And then at the bottom, I had a little space called research. And that would be for like when you're reading along and all of a sudden you read a word. Let's say, um, okay, Psalm 51 tells me uh, verse 17 that I'm the best way to turn God is with a contrite heart. What's contrite heart? So I'd put that down there. And then once or twice a week, you know, as, as I'm reading, I see a word I'm not quite sure about or something, something I want to do a little more research on. I put them all down there. And then once, twice, you know, three times a week, I go and I start, I look them up, find out what, what is this word about? What does it mean? Here's something I wanted to delve into. I know what it means, but I, I really want to delve into this. So now I got some material. God provides you everything. You got all the material you need. You just got to be there. Record it. Okay, when you record your findings, number one, you, you develop what the world even recognized. It's called increased retention. You start to retain it more. Uh, I, I remember reading to my grandson when he was like two, three years old. Uh, they lived with us for several years. After a while, he couldn't read yet, but after a while, he would start repeating what we had read previously months before not the whole thing but, but he was getting some of it and I came out of there and I was just like bawling I was like that is just the coolest thing man I, it was just so and I'm like man if you're just in there as a child you start remembering especially if you start putting those things in your kids and your grandkids early okay early You've got a record of your relationship with Christ when you do this. And you have a resource to draw from on, at a later date. I, I know a guy, a friend of mine, who every year from 1981 or two on, 1980 actually, every year he gets a new Bible. And it's a hardback Bible. Why does it say hardback? He goes, well, because every year, you know, I'm studying, I'm learning things, and then I put up and I put on the binding the year, and I put it up, and then I get a new one, and I keep right on going, and I put that up. He now has over 40, well, yeah, 41 years worth of resources of what God has taught him and showed him. I remember when he told me that. This was back in the 80s. My, my, my jaw was just like, number one, I, I was not that disciplined. I'm still not that disciplined or that smart. But man, I'm like, that's a genius idea. He's got this whole library of things. And I said, oh, I mean, there was something. He can go back and start pulling out and looking. Here it is. 
God told me this last year, and here's a song. Okay, now maybe maybe it's something that he needed to remember and needed to apply now that he had forgotten. Maybe it's something that's like, you know, I was young. I got a little bit of that wrong. Where did I, where'd I go left a little bit on that? And you can study it out. It's, it's a fantastic way to do things. Okay, flip over to the back page, the very last one. I'm going to try to move through this as quick as I can. Um, I, I've got a lot to cover on this. This number four is, for me, personally, I'm sharing this with you, um, how God put it all together for me. And uh, it's what I taught my folks. I've taught all my, my family, my kids. Um, Look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, or just write it down. But He says in, in, in Hosea chapter 1, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. So what we want to talk about is, how do I avoid a controversy, fill in your blank, with the Lord? And you, you, you can have a controversy with the Lord that is, if the Lord has a controversy with me, with you, because there's no mercy or truth or knowledge of God in this land. So, well, yeah, but I've been doing, but you know, it's like anything, if they had the word, that they had all these things prior, but now they're all gone. Nobody's paying attention. It's there. Remember one time in the Old Testament, looking around, and here's this whole book of the law down here. Did you know there's a book of the law down here, guys? The priests and the Levites were supposed to be keeping those things up, you know, all clean and, and right and copied out. Somebody wasn't doing their job. Some several somebodies. So here's what we want to look at. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Anybody know that verse? Very well-known verse. You'll probably recognize me if I start reading it. Okay? It's one of my favorite says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Only place in the word of God you find that word success. And it's associated with observe to do, which is something he says several times in this passage, by the way. He read it the whole time. Observe to do. And, and under A. That's, that's your, your blank. Observe to do. You're not to be in the Word of God just to know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the, the books of the Bible and order, which that's great if you do and you, and you should. But that's not why. He gave us a Word of God so that we could observe to do the things that he has told us to do. That's the whole thing. So, Come over to Proverbs chapter 6, and this is the meat. This is the meat. He says in here, in fact, Proverbs chapter, I said chapter 6. Let's first go to chapter 3. And you can get chapter 7 uh, in, in the other hand if you want. But, but listen to, the, to this, Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 4. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. 
bind them upon, I'm sorry, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, these are the verses that precede the ones that everybody knows, where he says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Everybody knows those, right? But how about what leads up to it? Because you can't get uh, verses 5 and 6 if you don't have verses 1 through 4. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. Okay? Uh, chapter 7. Almost the exact same thing. And, and this is very interesting in both of them. You're, you're in the first nine chapters. Proverbs has got three major divisions in it. Chapters 1 to 9, 10 to uh, 24, and 25 through, the, through 31. And in those first nine, they all start with, my son, my son. So personal. Okay. Chapter 7, he says, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. And my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger with, which flattereth with her words. Now, there's three words that you find continually in both those passages. Okay? The first one is keep. Keep. We're, we're supposed to keep the word of God. We're supposed to keep these things close. In both times, he says, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. What does the Lord Jesus say? Man, keep my commandments. <laughs> talking about the Lord, he says, he says, keep your commandments. Keep my word. Okay? Keep them. If we're not keeping it, he said, well, what do you mean? I have a Bible. I, I keep it. You know, maybe you're like me. I, I don't go anywhere without my Bible. I, I mean nowhere without my Bible. I just don't. Because I know it's the one thing I need more than anything else in this world. More than the tourniquet I got in one pocket. <laughs> all kinds of, you know, all, no, this is the thing that I need. It's the thing we need. And we're supposed to keep it with all diligence. We're supposed to keep it. And how do I keep it? Well, the second word you, you want to throw in there that you see in both passage, passages is bind. Bind. This goes back to the, the priests where they're told to bind around their neck and on their fingers and bind these things so that they've got them, so that they remember them, so that they are at the forefront of their mind all the time. He says here in chapter 7, verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. The third one is obviously then write. Again, you see that in both places. In, in, in uh, chapter 3, he says, bind them around thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. This is important. Why? Psalms 119. A psalm that we're not going to go through the whole thing. We're actually going to just look at one verse. But it's a good one. Okay? It's Psalms 119, verse 105. And this is point B. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So B is what? Lamp and light. See, the lamp, what's the lamp unto, down verse 105? A lamp unto my feet. You ever tried to walk in the dark, you know, with a flashlight, you know, in the dark? What, what do you do most of the time? Because you can't see where your feet are. So you, you need a lamp for your feet so you can see where your feet are going. 
okay? Otherwise, you're stumbling. You're tripping over roots and whatnot, okay? But you still need a light to see the path in darkness. And guess what, folks? We are in darkness. This, this world is in darkness, okay? I know that you're amazed and you're probably all wondering, what is that big bright thing in the sky? You know, we haven't seen in 10 days, you know? The sun, okay? We are in darkness in this world. Say, well, but I'm a Christian and God is light. No, there's no dark. That's right. But a lot of times we try to go through this darkness without the word of God. And if you don't have the word of God, if you're not in there daily, if you're not making sure, seeing where are my feet going, what's the path I'm on, then you're stumbling. You're going down the wrong trail. Not because you wanted to. Your intention was to go the right way and do the right thing. I know that, or you wouldn't be here tonight on a Wednesday night, right? That doesn't mean that you, you know, like you know, when the mutants and X-Men, you can just see in the dark. It doesn't work that way. You need the word of God or you're not going to see where you're going. Now, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, the paragraph here that starts in verse 20, after he talks about the seven things, the six things that he hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And right after that, he says in verse 20, My son, keep thy father's commandments. Sound familiar? And forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them, continue upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. Sound familiar? No, we're right back to what we saw in chapter 3 and chapter 7. And there's, those aren't the only places, by the way. It's just interesting that this passage is bookends by these. Verse 22. Pay attention here. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So your, your blanks right there above where it says Proverbs 6 is, what is a lamp? What's the lamp? Okay. The, the commandment is a lamp, is what the... These are my words. These are God's words. I'm not, I'm not giving you my ideas. I'm just giving you the structure that he gives us. He said the commandment is a lamp. And what's the light? Law. So my, my lamp and my light is his commandments and his law. That whole counsel of God. The word of God. This is everything. So, fill in your blanks here. When thou goest, what did verse 22 tell you? When thou goest, it shall lead thee. I, I'm using the words the Bible uses, not my own. Again, the context is what? What are we talking? What's the it? Yeah, the Bible, the word of God, the commandment, the law. This, we're talking about the word of God. Man, those things are to be kept and bound to our neck and our hands, written upon the tables of our heart, so that when thou goest, it shall lead thee. Because guess what? He is always leading. The question is not, is God leading? It's, oh, God, won't you please lead me? You think he's not? The problem is not that he's not leading. The problem is that I'm not following so you're not following. Again, not because you don't want to, but because you, you don't have the lamp and the light out there to see where to go. 
But when you do, his whole point here is that when I take the lamp and the light, the commandment and the law, when I do those things, when I take the word of God, which is my lamp, my light, then I know where to go because I can follow where he leads all day, every day. No matter where I'm at, no matter what the circumstances, doesn't matter where the power is shut down. Sorry, preppers, but there's only one way to prep for that, and that is salvation and the edification of the Word of God in your life and others. Can't go without doing it in others. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall what? Keep thee. Now, almost dated myself by saying, if Johnny Carson's the last thing you heard, <laughs> Johnny Carson's the last thing you heard, then huh, you're not listening anymore for, what, 20 years? Okay. My point is, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying I haven't done this because I have, and I do so a lot more than I should, but if the movie or the TV show or whatever book you were reading, because I love to read, if that's the last thing in your mind at night, then guess what? He's not able to keep those things that he told me to keep. His commandment, his lamp, his word. I'm supposed to take those things and bind them and write them on cover. I'm supposed to keep those. And he says, hey, if you'll put my word, if you, if you and I can have sweet fellowship. And I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but, you know, at night, with your head upon your pillow in your bed, this is a time of intimacy. And if your intimacy is with the Lord and you fall asleep, whether in prayer or like my kids, I would read to them every night. I'd sit in the hallway with the doors open and read to them and I'd fall asleep because I fell asleep with the word of God going in their ears. And the rest is up to him. And that my job is to put it there. Your job, and my job is still to put it here. He gave us two ears <laughs> to get it in, two eyes to put it in. And if we're going to be like Samuel, let none of his words fall to the ground. And guess what I got to acknowledge? I got an enemy called the flesh that's going to fight me all the time to remember it. But if I'll put it in there so that the Lord then can keep it and work it. You know that when you're asleep, you're, it's a point you're getting closest to death. In other words, it's a time when your flesh is out of the way more than any other time. That's the time I want to have that put in there so that he can keep it and put it and work it in my corrupt mind. Why? So it's the last thing. So that when I awake, when thou awakest, filled in, what's he do? Says it's, it's apostrophe. Again, it, this is what he's doing. He's talking. When I wake up, he's talking. Have you ever talked to somebody and they just ignore you? Do you like that? Because I don't know anybody that likes that. But we do it to the Lord every day. If you don't get up and get in the book, you know, pray, and hey, good morning, Lord. However you do it, good morning, Father. It's me, you know. 
I have kind of weird prayers that it's like, hey, Lord, it's, it, it's me, the little village idiot. And then we have a conversation. Then I go and get in here and listen because he is talking. And I don't want to be so rude, so such a terrible child that I just ignore him. Moms, dads, when your kids, you're talking to them and they just walk away and they ignore you. What do you do? What did you do? And aren't you glad that's not what God does to you? Even though you're justified in what you were doing. He would be justified if not for his mercy. For his heart for us. Grieving that we don't have that same kind of heart for him. Let me give you the last part and then I apologize to the folks. Tell them I, and I'll go tell them I'm, I'm a few minutes over. But the last part of verse 23 there tells us, you know, the lamp, the lamp is, is the commandment. The, the light is the law. And then he says, reproof, fill in your blanks, reproof of instruction are the way of life. Remember back there in Christian report when he says, uh, the word of God is for doctrine. That's the first thing, right? Second thing is what? Reproof. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. A man of God may be perfect, full of relief from the inside out, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Reproof of instruction are the way of life. Let the word of God do its job, which is to reprove you. That's, all, that's not always negative, by the way. We always think of it that way, but that's, that's us. That's the world and, and our flesh working against us. Reproof is to show you the good and right way. Hey, that was great. Can, can I show you a way that's even easier or better? Well, sure. That's what reproof is about. And he said, sometimes it's, hey, that is wrong, and here's what I said, and you know it. Let's, let's get that right. But it doesn't have to be. And, and if you're doing this daily, it won't be. It won't be. Father, we praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus.